So again, huge welcome to you all. Great to see, uh, great to see you all back here. Uh, great to reunite the family and also for obviously the various years to get to know each other as well because obviously uh, we as staff know you all but you might next the guys from first year might have no idea who these young ones are in, 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 in year seven. Uh, so it's good for, for ye to meet up as well. So it's a wonderful time of prayer and community that we're gathered here for. So it's a great privilege to be part of. Uh, a couple of weeks back, we hijacked Radio Maria for, for a day and uh, it was great. Uh, we got the opportunity to, to uh, speak to a lot of people and get a lot of yourselves involved as well with testimonies and things like that. And one thing I noticed, if you've ever been in a recording studio or if you've ever been in uh, any place where audio is important, right? Um, if you want to record clean sound, right, the busier the room, the better, right? You need to you know those uh, egg carton type things on the walls, right? They reflect the sound in different directions, so you don't get an echo. So you need to have, and we've done recording, recordings here as well for different blurbs or advertisements or voiceovers or anything like that. You know, you have to put duvets and mattresses and pillows all over the place to stop the sound bouncing around the place, have a nice clean sound, right? The last thing you want is a big open hall. Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you, see you, see you, see you. So you need, you need as much sound deadening stuff as possible, right? The, because the, 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 the emptiness, the emptiness magnifies the sound. And the emptiness, if you go into an empty hall, right, or a, even a stadium or even a church or anything like that, and there's a loud noise, the, it's the emptiness that causes the noise, the, 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 the feedback, the emptiness. The silence, the silence that, that, that we hopefully manage to create in prayer magnifies whatever is going on within us, the silence. When things are busy, uh, then there, 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 isn't enough, there isn't enough time or there isn't enough focus or there's so many voices, everything is just getting reflected everywhere, refracted everywhere, you don't pick up on anything. In the silence, in the silence is when we begin to actually hear what's going on. And we have this experience most years that uh, the year becomes difficult for a lot of people uh, after the, the turn of the calendar year. So February, March can often be difficult months in Holy Family because that's when all this prayer and all the silence, things start to come up. And all the, the busyness that you were able to distract yourself with up until that point, when that's kind of taken away or you're start getting used to coming to adoration and mass and prayer and hopefully coming into the chapel also when you're not actually required to, uh, these realities, truths, hurts, whatever it is, start to come to the surface. And it can get a small bit messy because you start to feel maybe out of control or just plain sad. You just feel something is wrong. You just feel... This is, this is uncomfortable, this is unfamiliar. I'd actually kind of maybe almost prefer to go back to busy, distracted, miserable me than have to deal with what has now come up in this silence. Some people even go so far as to, to, to blame the silence or blame prayer. When I go to adoration, I feel bad. What's the solution? Don't go to adoration. <laughs> Where's that solution coming from, by the way, just so we're clear? The bowels of... Hell, very good. Uh, so, when, so, when you feel that because of adoration you feel bad, the solution is not, don't go to adoration. It's like saying, you know, I go into the doctor, he told me I'm sick, 
bad, Doctor. He made me feel bad. <laughs> no, he has identified an, an issue that he did not create that would be very helpful in addressing or fixing or healing or inviting him into or actually walking with this doctor a little further because, thank goodness, he has brought this thing to light. All right, so this is, a, this is, the, this is like the interior struggles that we often don't vocalize, but they're those things that kind of happen consciously, subconsciously, I'm not, I'm not sure. But like you come to the chapel and you're sitting here and you go, oh, this doesn't, doesn't feel good anymore. I don't know, I start to feel angry. <laughs> start to feel sad. Start to feel lonely. Start to feel... Mm, empty. Whatever it may be. Whatever it may be. You also may feel really good. And if you do, that's fantastic. You keep going. <laughs> okay. But it, it can happen. It can happen that, that our prayer begins to, to bring to the surface the, the, the emptiness and, and whatever the Lord wants to heal. Whatever the Lord reveals is to heal. Reveal to heal. Reveal to heal. It's not revealed to make you feel miserable and by now. It's reveal to heal, which is a great thing. I, I, like a doctor, the same kind of idea. I think it's a helpful kind of a metaphor to keep in mind. When a doctor reveals something, he's not doing so so that he sounds super smart. What you have now is an epidermis, which is bad, <laughs> whatever his diagnosis is. Okay? Uh, his, his goal isn't just to sound smart or to make you feel bad. His goal is to help you. Similarly with the Lord, if he reveals something, it's to heal. Reveal to heal. But that process is something that he requires our yes in order to accomplish. Otherwise, he reveals it, we run, and nothing improves. And then you finish your holy hour, you finish your year here, you finish your faith journey, you finish your life unhealed, broken, and maybe risking your soul. Because these wounds can cause us to, to be so angry or revengeful or bitter or unforgiving, or whatever it may be. But the grace was there, the opportunity was there, the chance was there to make it all good. But you ran. The Lord will follow you, he will find another way, but it's still up to you to do what the doctor says, to follow the, the, the program of healing that our Father has outlined for us. Sometimes these um, uh, algorithms in, in YouTube and that, sometimes they, they get it really right, you know, when they suggest little things to me. Um, they know that when it comes to, uh, you know, those stories on America's Got Talent of rags to riches or these really sad stories of tragedy that lead to uh, amazing success and all that kind of thing. Uh, well, I got sent, I got sent one um, a couple of weeks back, which was quite inspiring a lady named uh, Jane Marksuski, otherwise known as Nightbird. And uh, so she was on America's Got Talent. And she came out, and she, was a, a, she had a very, very slight build, and very unassuming, just grabs a microphone, and uh, they said, so, uh, Jane, what are you going to do first? I'm going to sing a song I wrote myself. Great, what's it called? It's called OK. And then Howie Mandel, Mandel says, uh, that's, that's OK, good, OK, let's, let's hear it. And what's, this, what's it about, by the way? And she said, it's about my own recent journey. And uh, he says, okay, great, well, let's hear it. So, so off she goes, and she sings a song uh, called It's Okay. 
the course then is, you know, in, it's okay. It's, we're all a little lost sometimes, but we're all right. Afterwards, the judges were mesmerized by the sincerity and that, the, 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 how the, the song came from the depths of her heart. And they said, what was the song about? And she said, well, um, I've got cancer. Uh, and then so Howie said, so, so you're not okay. And she said, well, I'm, I'm more than just my diagnosis. I'm more than my illness. And he said, well, how, how, how sick are you? And she said, well, at the moment I've a couple of tumours in my lungs, my ribs, and uh, my liver. So all the judges gave their, their little spiel. Simon Cowell welled up while talking to her. And he said, look, uh, you've, got, you've got talent. Um, but there are lots of, we've heard lots of good singers so far this year, this season. You hear the crowd go, boo. <laughs> so I'm going to give you something, he said. I'm going to give you something more than just a yes. And he slaps on the golden buzzer, and I burst into tears. <laughs> I did, actually. Um, uh, so I looked up her story. Uh, her story is one of, she's a Christian. She was born in Ohio in a place called Zanesville in 1990. And she's a talented singer, but it released a couple of, of, of albums and things and went to Nashville to kind of further her career. And along the way, anyway, met this, this other guy, met, met a guy involved in the music, ministry, music industry, and they got married. And then in 2017, she was diagnosed with cancer. 2018, she was declared cancer-free. And 2019, uh, the cancer came back with a bang. Uh, she had hundreds of small tumours in her liver and just all over her. She had a double mastectomy. She had uh, tumours, all sorts of tumours in her lungs and ribs. She was just really uh, in a bad way. And around about that time then, her husband left her. Now, when you see the video, you see her speaking, she's full of such joy, full of such peace. But in her time of need, she was alone. Uh, the man she loved left her. And she became such an inspiration then through podcasts and tweets and all sorts of things about uh, remaining positive and remaining grateful, remaining thankful, despite the circumstances. It was, it was, it's, it's, a, it's a very beautiful story. But she wrote this uh, poem called God is on the Bathroom Floor. And I heard, heard the title, I thought... I think I know where she's going to go with this because it, it sounds like one of those almost disrespectful ideas, but the way she phrases it, I think it's, it's if you've known the cross, you'll know what she's saying. So I'll read this poem by Nightbird. God is on the bathroom floor. After the doctor told me I was dying and after the man I married said he didn't love me anymore. I chased a miracle in California. On nights that I couldn't sleep, I laid in the tub like an insect, staring at my reflection in the shower knob. I vomited until I was hollow. I rolled up under my robe on the tile. The bathroom floor became my place to hide, where I could scream and be ugly, 
where I could sob and spit and eventually doze off, happy to be asleep, even with my head on the toilet. I've had cancer three times now, and I've barely passed 30. There are times when I wonder what I must have done to deserve such a story. I fear sometimes that when I die and when I meet God, he will say that I've disappointed him or offended him or failed him. Maybe he'll just say, I never learned the lesson or that I wasn't grateful enough. But one thing I know for sure is this. He can never say that he did not know me. I am God's downstairs neighbour, banging on the ceiling with a broomstick. I show up at his door every day, sometimes with songs, sometimes with curses, sometimes apologies, gifts, questions or demands. Sometimes I use the key under the mat to let myself in. Other times I sulk outside until he opens the door to me himself. I've called him a cheat and a liar and I meant it. I've told him I wanted to die and I meant it. Tears have become the only prayer I know. Prayers roll down, roll over my nostrils and drip down my forearms. They fall to the ground as I reach for him. These are the prayers I repeat night and day, sunrise, sunset. I'm asking again and again, there's mercy here somewhere, but what is it? What is it? What is it? I see mercy in the dusty sunlight that outlines the trees, in my mother's crooked hands, in the blanket my friend left for me, in the harmony of the wind chimes. It's not the mercy that I asked for, but it is mercy nonetheless. And I learn a new prayer. Thank you. It's a prayer I don't mean yet, but I will repeat it until I do. Call me cursed, call me lost, call me scorned, but that's not all. Call me chosen, call me blessed, sought after. Call me the one who God whispers his secrets to. I am the one whose belly is filled with loaves of mercy that were hidden for me. Even on days when I am not so sick, sometimes I go and lay on the mat in the bathroom in the afternoon light to listen for him. I know it sounds crazy and I can't really explain it, but God is there even now. I've heard it said that some people can't see God because they don't look low enough. And it's true. Look lower. God is on the bathroom floor. God takes us where we're at. He takes us in our sadness and brokenness and loss and emptiness, in our grief, in the frustration that we have in dealing with our broken selves. He takes us there. He's not waiting until we're perfect. He's not waiting until we're fixed because the perfection and the fixing can only be accomplished by him. So he takes us where we are, on the bathroom floor but not to leave us there. And us getting there in the first place was never uh, him abandoning us until he recognised, my goodness, that's where, that's where they find themselves now. He has been with us, he's been with us every step of the way, as we read also in the, 
first reading from, from Tobit, the, the Archangel Raphael, who has followed Tobit and Tobias and Sarah not so long ago. Tobit wanted to die, and Sarah wanted to hang herself. We read the readings during the week. They both wanted their lives to end. They held on, they fought, and they saw the blessing. Jane, similarly Nightbird, held on and fought and became an inspiration. I, I, I lost count. I think it's about 200 million views that her uh, America's Got Talent audition has had. Probably more by now, I don't know. But the inspiration of her accepting of the cross and remaining grateful. She said after the, the audition, she said, I was given 2% chance of surviving this, 2%. But she said, 2% isn't nothing. 2% isn't nothing. And she says so with a, such a huge smile. So what I want to take from all this is that the Lord knows us. He knows where we are. He knows how we got here. He has walked with us every step of the way. He loves us infinitely, and he will never leave us. And the pain, or whatever we go through, the difficulty, does not mean that he's absent. It doesn't mean that he has forgotten us. In that silence or loneliness or difficulty, that's exactly where we can find the Lord. And if that's on the bathroom floor, then so be it. But it's in there, it's, it's in that place of, of sadness or loss, the cross, you could call it. It's there, that we find, it's there that we can find him. We don't necessarily find him because it depends on us. We can spend our time there fighting, kicking and screaming and cursing. Or we can say, Lord, this is, this is where I need you. Yeah, I've always needed you, but I really need you now. And if we do this, brothers and sisters, if we can manage this, if we, through the grace of God, can learn to, to love like that, to be grateful like that, to walk with the Lord like that, then it means that nothing the world throws at us can overcome us. It means that no illness, no grief, no sickness, no sadness can actually be victorious because everything draws us back to the heart of God. And that makes us more than conquerors through Christ. So we ask the Lord today to bless each one of us in, in Holy Family. We have a, a particular mission. We have a real gift and a rare gift these days to be young people of faith, young people who witness to the power of Christ in their lives, young people who witness to the joy that only our authentic, heartfelt faith can bring. This has been entrusted to you guys. And it's, it's a privilege, it's amazing, but we're not perfect. Only the Lord is perfect. And so when we mess up, when we make mistakes, we draw from him, who is it? the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. <laughs>